0: Hello, friends. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe. We're coming to you on Monday, December seventh, at about eight thirty at night Central Time. It's uh, Josh and Kirk. How are you, Josh?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing?
0: You know, I I I was whining in pre-show because I'm just tired and <laughs> I can't like I can't be tired. I, I'm looking at the calendar. We have sixteen days until the season starts. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> All right, I guess I can can be more descriptive about how I'm doing. Uh, My pink eye, (laughs) it's starting to recede, which is fantastic. And talking about being tired, how stupid is it to get pink eye right before our death march of a season is about to start i like it Uh, i like
0: it better than like right at the start of the season you know it's much better yeah it's much better particularly you know you haven't left the house in months and you know the fact that you you, you've got yourself ill is pretty funny well you know speaking of all this what what made what made me want to talk to you tonight is at about midnight last night i got a message (laughs) from josh on our slack and he's like my article's done and you know for those of you that don't know we have um we've recruited six new staffers we Josh and I have spent the week answering questions and you know not really getting much of a chance to write josh told me he was going to write a premium call or a, a preseason column and I just kind of assumed you know it's going to be a, a josh column you know 12 to 1500 words and deep thoughts on the season well I was right about the deep thoughts on the season but I didn't Really understand the depth of which that you were thinking about the season, to which you turned in a magnum opus, and I'm going to link <laughs> it on the podcast. We're going to talk about it at length because you know, I'm sure some of the same ideas will be covered. But this was really like number one, it was really good. Uh, it's the biggest questions the Mavericks need to answer this season, and and number two, you know, I just didn't know you were this, you were this like in depth on some of the stuff that's going on. So so like, let's <laughs> I was holding that up. on you. Yeah, so let's talk about one. Why were you holding out on me for weeks and weeks and weeks? And and number two, um, you know, so so how long has this been been like germinating?
1: Uh, well, to be fair, every time when I've been saying in Slack the last like 2 or 3 weeks where I was like, I have this column I want to write, this is kind of what I've been thinking about. So I've really been thinking about it for like 2 weeks and then I just couldn't get around to it because you know, I can unscroll the parchment and list out a various bunch of bullshit reasons (laughs) that aren't good reasons. Uh, And then I was going to try to have it done last week. And then I got pink eyed. I didn't really want to stare at a computer screen for any longer than I needed to. Got my antibacterial drops. And it was like, I got blessed with holy water or something and it revitalized me. And so I just, just did it. I just put them all down. It's the stuff I've been thinking about basically since we knew what the roster was going to look like. So, you know, Half, you know, around Thanksgiving time, you know, I think the Mavericks were pretty much done with their off season. Maybe a little after that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I've just been thinking about it since then, and I just finally got a chance to sit down and get it all out there. Well, let's just kind of go through these kind of one at a time,
0: and then we'll talk a little bit about what sort of the plan is until right up to the season, but. So your first big question was, what type, what type of team do the Mavericks want to be? Like, that's nearly an article in and of itself. But I want to ask you, because you, you get into to a lot of depth about how the Mavericks just have to improve defensively. My question to you is, do you think that the Mavericks can afford to step back any offensively?
1: Um, I think they can, because, I mean, when you're – them both the greatest offense of all time I think you give yourself a little wiggle room it just depends on how much they improve on the other end um, yeah they have to they basically if they if they if the offense takes a hit but it's still top 10 that's fine um you know that's basically all you need to be a finals contender but if the defense is still like 15 14 in that area then that's probably you know they're I mean that's not I don't think that's good uh, I don't know if that's enough for them, but also I don't know how weird this season is going to be, and and I don't know if you know it things could get get weird with the numbers and rankings, and 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 what a what a great offense uh, offensive number or defensive number last season is not necessarily going to translate over to this season. Um, so I'll have to see, but they need it. I mean, it's a gamble. I don't even know if it's a gamble though, because I think the main point of this is. Yes, they are they they brought in more defenders, and yes, their biggest offseason acquisition is n- known for his defense, and he has a good, stellar defensive reputation. He's not chump change on offense, so I think that there is a good possibility for them to have their cake and eat it too, so to speak, uh, because I don't really, you know, I know Seth Curry was fantastic in Dallas and he was such a great fit, but at the end of the day, he was a bench guard uh, that started because... The Mavericks just n- didn't have a lot of options on the perimeter. Um, mm-hmm. So that's no discredit to Seth Curry, who's going to do great in Philadelphia, but he's also going to be what, Philadelphia's fifth or sixth best player? Um, ideally, like if that season goes correctly, where last season you could argue Seth Curry was the Mavericks' fourth best player. Uh, in or some cases,
0: he, third. It was like night yeah, in and night out. Night? He was just yeah. really, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, and that's just very difficult to do when you know the you know, he's a six-one guard that really, really tries on defense. You know, I think his defensive, I, I you know, he's not a great defender in the aggregate, but in terms of his effort and I think what he tries to do, um, I think he was more than solid in that regard. But it's just kind of the step you have to take, like you. You downgrade a little bit on the shooting, but you're not getting like a non-shooter. You're not getting a project shooter. You're not getting someone you're going to have to like teach how to shoot. You're getting someone who knows how to shoot, who had maybe, you know, an off season, in a, uh, an off season for him in a, in a weird situation in Philly. And it, it just feels like that's the risk they need to take. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to work out for them because I, I just think that Richardson is going to hit enough shots to where they're not going to see too much of a dip. Uh, on the offensive end. Well, before we
0: pivot to Richardson specifically, one of the things I've been thinking about, now that I've made peace with like Willie Cauley-Stein being on the team, and you're looking at where the Mavericks are starting from in uh, training camp, and to take kind of a, a silver lining approach to what's happening with Chris for being out, I feel fairly confident the Mavericks are going to start Willie Cauley-Stein at center, and then roll out you Know Dorian Finney Smith probably guarding a lot of fours depending on matchups, maybe maybe Kleba now and again, depending on if they're playing like the Pelicans or something. But you know, then they're gonna have Tim Hardaway Jr., and then they're gonna have Jason Richard, or I'm sorry, J- Josh Richardson and Luka Doncic. And that is a for a regular season team where you're playing every other day for you know a month until KP gets back. Because I really don't think they're gonna rush KP back at all, particularly particularly if they get off to either a hot or a rough start um i, I really the, the way you look at like the big picture of what kind of team they want to be i think the mavericks have we're not really going to know who they're going to be because it it's going to be a, kind of a survival of the fittest season and and it, you know if porzingis comes in a little rusty i think they're going to give him time to play into shape so the mavericks have a a a bit of a um I'm trying to think how to phrase this. They're, they have a lot of room to grow into the team they want to be because they have these pieces who, you know, college time got brought in after Powell was hurt. You know, Powell's coming back from injury. Like, there's just a lot of, of options, you know, surrounding Luka. And one of the, the constant talking points from you and I over the years is that once they had Dirk Nowitzki on the roster, looking back, once they figured it out after Steve Nash left, the Maverick front office essentially like rotated pieces to see what fit, and that is a lot of what this is when you compare to last season. Uh, Tim Hardaway is obviously an interesting contract, but like the pieces, it, they they could still be top three off on offense, and if they bump to even like twelfth or tenth defensively, if they manage that somehow, you know, and I think the main way they manage that is is Josh Richardson becomes the the point of attack defender, and and. It there's there's just a lot of optionality. It, it's so nice to have Luca as the fallback <laughs> because there's sort of like an established floor with what the Mavericks are gonna be able to do. And I, you know, just thinking about like what kind of team they wanna be, they have a lot of flexibility to figure that out, and I think that's really nice.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the goal with the all those wing acquisitions, because they couldn't uh-huh. do that last season. Like, um they they're they're Their flexibility last season was they could go like really small with like guards and juice the offense a lot. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. they just didn't have that flexibility. I mean, now, you know, Richardson and James Johnson and Josh Green and if Tyler Bay plays, if Wes Uundu plays, that's a lot of, you know, guys that are between 6'5 and 6'8 and 6'9 that can guard. Um, theoretically you know with Bay and and Josh Green so that's just something they've never had before so they can finally do the thing that we've been asking them to do since I don't know the Warriors really start Go to uh, gaining prominence in 2015 is they can finally do the small ball that's not actually small lineups. Right, uh, where before the Maverick small ball lineup was, uh, you know, you'd have a guy like Seth Curry in the lineup, or you'd have a JJ Barea or a Brunson or something like that. You know, some uh, a guard that is you know under six five. Now they can theoretically play a lineup that has a lot of two way potential, and the shortest guy on the floor is Josh Richardson, 65 which is pretty uh, which, wild to me. R- right, which is what they're building to. And the thing that I asked in the piece is I'm very curious about is are the Mavericks committed to that type of lineup because last season up until January 21st, which is the day Dwight Powell got hurt, uh their six most played lineups all featured two big men, you know, the combination of Powell, Perzingis, or or Maxi um, and then after Powell got hurt, obviously their most used lineup was the Persingas at the five, Finney Smith at the four, and then you know, Curry, Hardaway, and Luka. Uh, but then the next four lineups after that were all Persingas-Kleba lineups, which is two bigs again. So as much as it makes sense to start the season and, and to give this team the identity of we're only going to play one true big man on the floor, floor ideally, you know, save for matchups like you said, like a New Orleans or, or another beefy team, uh, but I wonder if they're going to be, you know, fully committed to that because they kind of did it last year. You know, I don't think they would have gotten to that point in the regular season at least. They might have gotten to it in the playoffs, but I don't think they would have done that in the regular season if Powell didn't get hurt. Uh, so they were kind of forced, They, you know, they the injury forced their hand into kind of doing that because it's the five lineup. So we'll see. Like, it makes total sense for the opening night lineup to be Richardson, Luka, Hardaway, Finney-Smith, and whatever. Big. They want to play until Przingis is uh, ready to jump back into the lineup. Uh, but I wouldn't shock me if the Mavericks don't want Przingis when he gets back playing thirty minutes a night at the five every single every other day, uh, and they want to maybe start him next to Powell or, or Kleba just so they have another body that can absorb fouls and play you know uh, in the paint a little bit more and save Przingis' legs. So I'm just very curious. You know, I just don't. I do, they could go either way. And like you said, they have a lot of flexibility. So we'll just see what happens. Well, we'll come back to
0: Porzingis a little bit later. the The next question that you have in your post is is and I alluded to this briefly is is you simply ask how good is Josh Richardson? Now, uh, one of our new contributors uh, is talk uh, turned in a lengthy profile of of Josh of Josh Richardson today that I'm going to hold until next week just to kind of let your piece breathe. And I was editing it tonight and. Man, there's just a wide variety of outcomes for for <laughs> Richardson, and I I tend to be bullish based off of the Miami season, but last year was a little a little concerning, and I don't I think if 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 the pieces connect, he works in a way where his you know twelve million dollar contract looks like an absolute steal, and he becomes part of an off season acquisition for you know, look, it's, it's the same way the Mavericks got Porzingis in the sense of they got him a year ahead of time. So they didn't have to fight and, you know, that a year to sell him. And so I think that, that this really has the opportunity to look like an, an excellent acquisition the more we peer into it. But the flip side is he's not, he's not the, he's a good, he's a good three-point shooter. The question is, you know, where he likes to shoot from and where he's gotten shots is not really where the Mavericks have succeeded. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to, to gauge where he's, he's going to fit. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah. Uh, he took a crap ton of mid-range shots last season. Um, he took 150 mid-range attempts. Uh, what did I write in the piece? He shot 174 pull-up jumpers last season. Only 36 of those were three-pointers. So uh, he really likes the mid-range game. And the Mavericks, you know, the last three, four years have just not been a mid-range team. You know, they're fully embraced the threes, rim, free throws, uh, modern NBA philosophy uh, on offense. So it, you're right. It's it, it could be a pro and a con, because obviously you don't want Richardson's diet to just be a bunch of ineffective, inefficient shots. But on the flip side, uh, he shot 48% on those 150 mid-range attempts last season, which is a really, like a really good number. It's still... You know, not necessarily a Dirk number uh, in terms of efficiency. And would you rather him do that than shoot threes? But it's pretty damn. Cl- I mean, when you get close to fifty percent on a mid range uh, yeah. shot, that's. I mean, that's a good shot. It doesn't matter. Um, so the, I think what the key for the Mavericks is is kind of like what they did with Przingis because Przingis also had a really wacky uh, shot profile in New York because he just, you know, he didn't really get any good coaching in New York was kind of a wasteland when he was there. Uh, obviously Richardson was on a better team in Philadelphia. Um, but the the spacing was just so cramped with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Uh, they're just, he was expected to be one of their best shooters. And I don't know if that's the role, he, you know, he probably needs another guy next to him to uh, space the floor and, You know, when this team is firing at all cylinders, Prazingis and Hardaway Jr. project to be, you know, better shooters than him. So if he's the third best shooter in your lineup, I think that's a much better fit for his uh, game. And then hopefully the Mavericks can kind of just get a good balance with the mid-range stuff. Because, Kirk, I think you'll probably agree, like if you think about the Mavericks' clutch time woes, it basically was because you played Luka next to four other guys that just basically stood and watched. Um, as much as we love the breakout seasons from Maxi and Dorian and Hardaway Jr. and all of that, you know, outside of Brunson, Burke, and Seth, the Mavericks don't ha- didn't have anyone last season that could dribble into a good shot or a clean shot. It was basically just Luca. Uh, so in, the, in crunch time, it's Luca dribbling against you know a set defense uh four guys kind of standing and watching, not a lot of movement. So Richardson gives them just some versatility and gives them some variety in how they can score and you know we've been watching the playoffs for a while and even with this three-point revolution like the teams that win playoff games have the option it's not that they rely on the mid-range but it's just it's just in their bag when these playoff defenses get so good that they can at least you know bust it out and Richardson's very comfortable in that regard so I think he could be a huge help for the Mavericks crunch time offense because he can be that kind of secondary shot creator that Luca really needs. uh, So it's not just on his shoulders. Uh, But then the flip side is they got to make sure that that's like, (laughs) he doesn't go overboard uh, and they need to coax him into shooting uh, more threes, especially that pull up three number. I mean, that is, that is hilarious that he shot 174 pull up jumpers and only 36 of them were threes. I bet you, uh, the Mavericks coaching staff and Rick Carlisle will try to uh, make those numbers a little closer uh, would be my prediction.
0: Right. No, it's, it makes you wonder just how clogged. like it'd be fun to go look at some of his mid range shots and see how clogged the lane was. As mm-hmm. like, that was like a decision of last resort more than a, a, uh, you know, kind of predetermined thing that he made his mind up as part of a play. Cause I mean, the Sixers offense was garbage. Like yep. I, Ben Ben Simmons is a talented player. Um, Embiid wants to play a different style of basketball. I mean, it's just it's a really miscast role for him. So I'm 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 looking forward to him. Um, Yeah,
1: and uh, one more thing, I didn't put this in the piece, but um, in the pick and roll, uh, as a pick and roll ball handler, I think he he uh, scored like zero point eight five points per possession, which was like fiftieth percentile despite the fact that he shot like 42% on those in those situations, or he had an effective field goal percentage of 42, which you imagine is okay. Well, he just shot a bunch of pull up jumpers in the pick and roll, like off the bounce. Um, So that's kind of the thing. Like that's not a terrible number when you consider he's taking pull up 18 footers off pick and roll, but then you look and you say, well, 0.85 points per possession is not good. So he, it just kind of shows that he's not necessarily a guy that is going to get to the rim or get a lot of free throw attempts. He's not going to be a guy that can maybe be high volume from three. So the Mavericks need to kind of work on that and balance that and make sure they're getting the good without as much as the bad.
0: Right, right. And and just to kind of keep the train moving, because this podcast has some flow to it for once in its a, a life, the next <laughs> question that you had um, was questioning whether Chris Steps pruzingis can deliver the window of all-star production, which which we saw February to March, and then managed to stay on the court. And before you go off, I, I do want to reference something that you talked about a few minutes ago about you know, the Mavericks unlocked offense with Porzingis playing five. I strongly believe, I have no real reason to back this up, but I strongly believe they want to roll out Porzingis at the five the same way the Lakers ruled out um, Anthony Davis at the five. Both men are not built for the long haul at that position. Doesn't mean you cannot do it. It means doing it for fifteen minutes a game, uh, closing in specific situations. But Porzingis is is just he he's you know for his age, I, I still think he's still really learning his body because watching how he moves, it's it's like the Mavericks are trying to you know reteach him athleticism. He makes more strange decisions with his body for a person that large than I have ever seen. Uh, This video of Tracy McGrady doing one-legged landings on his three-point shots has stuck with me for a real long time. Porzingis lands on one leg so much, it frightens me. Um, I'm still very – I waffle day to day. At the moment, I'm in on him as a player, but I'm I'm just a little concerned because I don't know – you know, he's the archetype of the player that can fit next to to Luca and succeed. But the man's never finished a season like that's concerning.
1: Yeah, um, it's we it's not great that we're the second season of Przingis and the second consecutive season where he is rehabbing a knee from a knee surgery. Uh, he still hasn't one was less. I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but I don't think he's played. Seventy games in an NBA season since uh, I don't know, like pre pre ACL tear, so like at least like two or three seasons ago. Um maybe even Looking before that. Up. Yeah. Uh it hasn't been it it hasn't been a lot. because uh, he had it once his rookie year. Yeah, okay. And that's that's not <laughs>
0: that's not great. President Trump wasn't a thing yet. So yeah. that's all I know that was.
1: That's yeah, that's concerning. And um, I think the thing that's at least nice is whereas last year we were like we were kind of hoping like what is he going to look like when he gets back? And I think this season we know when he gets back, we know what he's capable of now after what like what you talked about what he did in February and March after Powell went down and what he did in the bubble and what he did in the playoffs and the limited games he got. So I'm not necessarily now concerned about he can be reach the potential player he could be in terms of like raw production like I, he has that I think he's bought in enough into what the Mavericks want to do because to you know his shot diet is radically different in Dallas than it was in New York and when you're a player like that that gets bad habits uh in a bad situation it can be hard to wean young guys off of that um especially coming into a new team with a lot of structure and a guy that's already number one in on the hierarchy list. Like it, it's kind of wild when you think of how much he was going through last season in terms of adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really explains kind of why he got off that slow start. So the fact that they're kind of through all that and that he can produce with Luca on the floor at the same time uh, at like all star level production, like giving them the, the set like he needs to be that scoring second star next to Luca. Like that makes me feel a little bit more at ease, but now it's just all down to, okay, can he, can he do it without missing 15 games or 20 games, or can he do it uh, finishing a playoff series and not being sidelined for an entire playoff series, you know, toward the end of a playoff series. So, and that's the question. Like, I can't, I can't really answer that. I've, you know, I'm not talking to trainers. I'm not, sure. talking to, you know, so it's kind of, it, it's just, it's a mystery box in terms of what, to expect in that part of the, in in that regard. So I am hopeful that the Mavericks, uh, you know, they know what they're doing. You know, their, their training staff and medical staff has been to me, like the Brock of the organization for the last us in the Cuban era. I think like in terms of like track record, like their track record is really great. uh, With Mm -hmm. Keith Smith as the head athletic trainer. So I trust that group. So we'll see. Uh, I just don't know what else to say other than I'm, I'm glad that they got, they unlocked uh, his game uh, toward the end of last season, and now it's just stay on the court and do whatever they can do to, to make that happen.
0: Right, right. And it's balancing the Luca usage and the Porzingis usage. Yes. Something that I would be very interested in, maybe I should assign this to somebody because I'm not sure if I, I'm certainly not the person to write it, but the Mavericks played, they essentially got off to, I think it was the 16-6 and six start to start the, the last season. And then things kind of started to implode, mainly injury-related. I'd be curious to know what, let's just say, following the, the Powell injury forward with Luca and KP on the floor at the same time, how they played. Because they really didn't get that much time together. Even in the playoffs, they didn't get that much time together. And I feel like their record together as a team, like when the Mavericks had both of them together, I feel like the Mavericks won like 60 plus percent of their games. Now that, that might've only been like 42 games last season. So that kind of is what it is, but <laughs> I, I, I'd just be curious what his, what Porzingis' numbers were, because that, that's what the ideal is, is these guys playing together, not playing apart, you know, where they're probably are going to play apart just because the way the season is going. But it's, it's just sort of thing that I'm, I'm interested in to see if there's, if there's something, if there's something there, which is interesting, because that actually leads us into uh, one of the final questions that we have uh, from you: is what in the world does Luca in year three look like? Now, before I let you go off and talk about this, I want to read you some numbers. Uh, yes, in please. six playoff games, Luca played 36 minutes per game. He shot 500, or he shot 50 percent from the floor. He hit 36% of his threes, so 57% of his two point shots, a lot of which were at the rim. He got to the line almost 11 times. Uh, he was pretty putrid, only shot 66%. Uh, the sample size is what it is. Nine rebounds, or almost 10 rebounds, just under nine assists, uh, five turnovers, 31 points a game. I have this interesting take that Luca of the playoffs is kind of year three Luca because the gap between when the season closed down in March and when the bubble opened up is is was just as long as any offseason. They've only they're only gonna have been off like ninety something days by the time the season starts. So I just uh, what year three Luca looks like, I think the top end of the range is what we saw in the playoffs there.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree. Uh, and especially, I would hope that that three point shooting number, if he could get what, what did you say that was? What did he get? 36%?
0: 36.4. I mean, he had one game, some of it's sample size, but yeah, I think he had one, he really went nuts.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, but still, if we if <laughs> I would run, I would run with that number if someone was like, I'll give sure. you, I'll give you that number for Luca three point right now. Will you take it? I would, I would scream at that number. Uh, and if he does that, I mean. He's gonna if he gets that three point shot up to like thirty-five percent, he's gonna be like a 30, 31, 32 point per game score, I think, right? Yeah. unless
0: unless like the,
1: yeah. the free throws,
0: if the free throws go up to from like I think he was in twenty of the stats page, what's wrong with me? Um he was seventy-six percent in the regular season. If he can get that up to 80%, and really it's, it's his free throws come in bunches. They come in the first quarter and in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, he was below 70% for free throw mm-hmm. shooting again. Um, it's, it's very interesting to me because I've, I've long held that Luca's, the key to Luca's game is his physical fitness. And it's not that he's out of shape. It's just becoming NBA level shape where your body is able to recover, uh, it, it, and not lose weight and not you know to deal with the injuries like that's almost as big a challenge as like being cardiovascularly in shape so that's almost where i see luca you know succeeding this year and i have a weird feeling just because there's been nothing to do that he might come into this season and and like really strong like just rearing to go i don't know i could be wrong
1: no no i, th- I mean i think you're right i mean that's kind of what happened in year two he just got a shot out of a gun after his rookie season um i think the big number that i can't imagine i mean it can't get anywhere the i put this in the piece he was seven of 41 from three in the clutch that's uh, 17 <laughs> um there is no way he will do less than that and there's i just cannot imagine that it'll be in that same range so if he gets that up to like a normal even if it's still bad if it's just like a normal bad number and not like holy hell, catastrophic uh, end-of-the-world type number, I mean, that's going to help a lot uh, as well. And, Kirk, I don't know if you've been – I mean, it's really funny because after every game the Mavericks would lose last season uh, in the clutch, he would immediately talk about how he'd be pissed off at a shot selection and not being able to shoot well. And then in training camp so far in his media day thing, uh, someone asked him like his biggest, his biggest work of the offseason – and it was he basically was just like shooting. I've just been shooting. I've been shooting so much. Uh, so he got funny. that
0: shooting machine that you and I had in high school, um, <laughs> and like was taking pictures with it. And like you and I were not in high school recently, so like that picture in Slovenia like cracked me up because it's like here's the thing that shoots the like the ball back to you. And I'm like, welcome Did this this technology. Just make it across the ocean. Like <laughs> yeah. what what is happening here? Is, it just made me laugh because. You know, it's, it really is about muscle memory and he has such, it's like, he, he's such a basketball savant that when things come too easy, sometimes those, the hardest things to work on are the ones that take the, like the slightest adjustments. And I, I I just, he's, he's such a worker. Mm -hmm. I I can't, my brain tells me it's not possible for him to get any better than he got so much better; it was impossible for my brain to grasp that. So I, I don't, I just, I don't know what to expect. I'm really excited. That's that's one thing I, I'm really looking for. I think that this team will, if if they can convince him to stop talking to the refs and get back on defense, like that's going to improve their defensive rating by like one full spot. Yes, because um, <laughs> like started, like, I saw Bobby post something about their fast break points, and I'm like, most of the fast break points they gave up is because Luca wouldn't get back. Like this is not that that difficult
1: Anyhow. Yeah, I And mean, yeah, um, hopefully that gets better. And then I guess the other thing we have to I mean, this is not the fun part, but I hope it's not a trend, but he only played you know he played seventy two games his rookie season, uh, and he only played sixty-one games last season. And he seems to be he seem like his athleticism is funny because his his strength and his balance uh like kind of lets him avoid Catastrophic injuries. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been like sports science studies done on on Luca and just the way he is in control of his body. Um, he just avoids those really bad injuries, but he also seems to be really prone to picking up like just the typical bumps and bruises and ankle sprains and wrist sprains and sore hips and and that kind of stuff. So uh, I would love to see if Luca can get through this season. You know, I would love to see him. I mean, I don't know if if it's possible because they probably will rest him uh but i, I don't know feel you know how into that he'll be but it's probably it won't be his choice but if he can get through this season with a career high games out you know as long you know counting factoring in if he gets rested when he's healthy you know um that would be that that would be just really nice to see cuz cuz last season really stunk with those two ankle sprains and then he sprained his ankle again in the playoffs and it's like Does he have Dirk ankles? Like, what's what's going on? Well, I I
0: was just actually thinking about that, and and some of it makes me wonder, like, the parallels there would be kind of funny, uh, because that really was a bane in the early Mm -hmm. part of Dirk's career, and then it just stopped being a problem.
1: Um, Or or he would sprain it, and he would come back in and finish the half and mm -hmm. and not miss any time.
0: Right. And that that sort of stuff's pretty incredible in retrospect. Um, The last question that you have out, which is just – it's one of these things that get the people that that are visit our site the most the most riled up and i don't understand why um can the mavericks role players do it again and i'm gonna defend you a little bit here guys role players are role players for a reason doesn't mean they can't do it again it means that expecting them to do it again is bold now i for one think that some of these guys in reduced roles may go back to being better players dwight powell coming off the bench actually excites me. Um, Maxi getting to play spot minutes as starter, as opposed to being the starter, is likely better for him. Uh, there's, some real, there's some real plus things going. I, I think the one guy I'm really interested in seeing is how Dorian Finney-Smith responds to, to the opportunity to have sustained success. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and also I mean you talked about scaling back the roles. Well, congratulations, Dorian Finney-Smith, you are no longer required to be the only Mavericks wing <laughs> defender on the roster. Uh so hallelujah, you do not have to play 40 minutes every single close game because there's literally no one else that the Mavericks can play. Uh so you would think, you know, hell, you know, even if it's, you know, if we if you try to do math and you factor in okay, maybe he's going to regress a little bit from 3 but hey what if he doesn't have such a huge burden on defense does that give him does that mean he's not as tired you know like uh, right you're trying to do the weird give or take there like does that mean his three-point shot will actually be be just as good uh who knows how that actually works i don't i don't know but uh, i'm excited that you know we, we don't have to pretend that tim mardaway jr is a quality three and d wing anymore like he can just be the guy that shoots three-pointers uh, and everyone, you know, Richardson and Finney Smith and eventually Josh Green and Wes Undo can can be the defenders and we don't have to pretend that Tim Mardaway Jr. is this, like, really solid defender anymore. So, I mean, if anything, like, it should help all these guys uh, and they shouldn't have as much pressure to repeat even though you know, they still kind of need to do it. There, there's an expectation now, you know, the Mavericks – believed in in these guys by keeping them around for this through the rebuild and now that they're here so there's you know there's an expectation level it's now no longer oh i hope they can do this it's now this is your job like you gotta do it yeah yeah well
0: i'm trying to think there's a lot of other stuff that we probably should get to but considering that there's you know there's x number of days we're probably going to talk a few more times uh we have a lot of of written content coming. We have season, we have basically player previews coming. And, you know, thankful to our hardworking staff. I'm, we have basically one a day every day until the season begins on the 23rd of December is is essentially what we have coming. So that will be your kind of day-to-day content. We will have uh, more podcasts. We will have some in-depth articles because there's some things I know that are coming. Um, we should have a Tyrell Terry exclusive. That was on the radar. Um, our man, our man Mike, pitched me a piece today about Josh Green that I I really hope he he does. Uh, there's just there's a this is kind of the the I, I I waffle about the the preseason content because a lot of stuff just goes out the door once they actually start like start playing. <laughs> but it, it, it's it's there's <laughs> enough fun stuff with this team because they cycled in so many new guys that I really think there's a lot of like untapped things to talk about and you know preseason frankly i mean there's a preseason game on saturday like we have we have stuff we're gonna be talking about so yeah yeah okay well this has been fun do you have anything else before we go
1: no i don't think so i'm just it's it's time man preseason on saturday uh i'm looking forward to it
0: i am too all right, this has been uh, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe with Mavs Moneyball After Dark. As always, please go rate and subscribe. Tell your friends. The podcast is somehow growing, and I have to think it's because of people like you who are listening. As always, we love uh, feedback, even when that feedback is uh, you know awesome one-word comments on things where it's like, simply put, KP's health is all that matters. And it's like, thanks for that 3,500-word analysis down the tubes. Um, uh, this has been uh, Kirk and Josh, so we'll see you guys out there. Have a good week.